Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So this is Happy Hour, take two. (laughs) Because... Happy Hour 2.0. Liz, as we were starting this before, I was noting that Liz was tired. And Liz, are you making sure that you're recording? And she was not. This time we figured it out at the beginning of the show instead of the end of the show, which I never criticize Liz for because she does all the work on this. I do nothing but bring the bring the charm and the the, the pizzazz and the riz, as the kids say, the riz. (laughs) I learned that word. Wow. Even I haven't heard that. Riz. Check with the daughters. They'll know. I shall. So we're here at happy hour. We've been, we were off last week. We have a lot of catching up to do. Liz is going to perk up as we move along here with all of the breaking news. But of course, before we do, we have to um, pivot to, we have to open up with our 80s trivia. I'm not even going to give Liz her quiz today about the Michael Jackson thriller documentary because she probably. I did watch it. I messaged you. I watched it. So. I know. It was good. Recommend. Recommend. I don't think you're up for it actual interrogation though i'm not okay so i'll skip it um but since it's christmas time and it is the 80s we have to bring up the iconic 80s christmas song of all time which is what liz do they know it's christmas (gasps) ding 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 so happy when you also second runner up the wham song that's christmas that's being played everywhere the, yeah, that um, big last London. Christmas. That was huge in London. Yeah. Yeah. I just that read. is number two on that. But yes, do they know it's Christmas? Which I, I remember that song was so big. Um, that was everywhere. Uh, so it was recorded in 1984. So we're at the 39 year anniversary. Uh, Can we just talk about all the 40 year anniversaries that are going to happen in 1984? Like that was. It's rough. It's going to suck for us. We're going to have endless material here on Happy Hour. <laughs> we really are. Oh, 40 years. Great. No. To me, it's still like the year 2000, you know, and the 80s were just like 20 years ago. That's how I am. I still operate like that. I like it. I'm there for, I'm there with you. So, of course, everyone knows this song. It was to feed, uh, Feed the world. Feed the world. world. Do they it, know when it's Christmas time? Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. This is why I don't sing. Get the hook. Um, so this was <laughs> Bob Geldof. Uh, he, that, he was the mastermind to aid famine in Ethiopia. The group was called Band-Aid. Of course, lot, there were Americans involved as well. Um, but let's see. There was Phil Collins. Obviously, George Michael, um, the Laban, few Labans from Duran Duran. Um, who else was there? Cool in the gang people. I didn't realize that. Jody Watley. She was oh my God, Jody the time before she That's went amazing. solo. All right. I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah, she was good. Solo. Um, no. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's our 80s. That's all we can really talk about at Christmas time related to the 80s. So now we will just like catch up because we were off last week. So many different things happening. So many amazing and not some in a good way. 
uh, court orders related to Donald Trump in the 2024 election, uh, but also just January 6th and, and other other proceedings. So we'll get right to that. But since we did miss last week, we will start with the really uh, encouraging news that the Supreme Court decided to finally take up and review this 1512C2 obstruction of an official proceeding felony that has been slapped against more than 320 January 6th defendants and is one of four, really two of four counts in special counsel Jack Smith's indictment of Donald Trump. Um, so Liz, explain a little bit. The Supreme Court granted cert in the case on December 13th. So you, you kind of cover this. Yeah, what, so what happens you know, is what when we talk about, I'm not a lawyer, but I'll just give you the like non-lawyer easy understanding of this. When someone appeals up to the Supreme Court, you know, there's multiple levels of appeal and you have to have grounds for appeal. You can't just say, I don't like the verdict. You have to say this wasn't done right or that wasn't done right or the law wasn't interpreted right or there was something that should have happened that didn't happen. You have to have a reason. And so as you go through the appeals process, you can, of course, go appeal to the Supreme Court. And um, the Supreme Court will they get a lot of obviously a lot of people want to take get go all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court looks at the case and the history of the case and the whole appellate process, which is the appeals process, and decides, you know, is there an issue here that should be resolved? And for them to grant cert means that they do think there's something that needs to be resolved. So that's a really good sign. They aren't going to grant cert and be like, ah, you know what? They did get this right. That's fine. We, there's nothing to do here. So that means this this issue is going to come under some scrutiny and our Supreme Court is more faithful to the Constitution than the other courts <laughs> that have dealt with it. So that is why people are happy that this is a great thing. So go ahead, Julie. Right. So this is um, basically, as we've talked about, I've reported on this now really since it was first charged back in I think my first report was March of 2021. Um, this is a post Enron Arthur Anderson scandal, like corporate fraud, a corporate accounting statute that was supposed to close a loophole about the destruction of evidence. And people will recall in the Arthur Anderson case, there was shredding of documents, accounting documents for Enron, their client. Uh, there was an issue whether that was their normal procedure, which it turns out it was. Um, but this was to kind of this was part of this 2002 Sarbanes-Oxley Act it directed at corporate fraud in the wake of that huge, massive scandal. At any rate, the DOJ has weaponized and it is a vaguely worded statute. The Supreme Court has never really interpreted or clarified how it should be applied. So, of course, this DOJ has weaponized it. Uh, as a felony count, they've added it as a felony in otherwise mostly misdemeanor cases for J6ers, um, but it's punishable by up to 20 years in prison. And even an indictment on this, especially in the early stages of the prosecution, resulted in judges denying bond for defendants who were charged with obstruction and misdemeanors or obstruction in some vague conspiracy count. So this has been a very destructive uh, offense that this DOJ has applied. So now we've got, um, so finally the Supreme Court is going to look at an appellate court ruling from April that really, it was a three judge panel, but, and it was two Trump uh, judges and um, one Biden judge, Florence Pan. And what it resulted in was 
what one judge called a splintered ruling. It was basically three different opinions as to the interpretation of this statute. So um, this is very good news. I've got a lengthy piece on this at Real Clear Investigations. I also have a piece on this on my Substack if people kind of want an overview because it is complicated. I don't want to get in the weeds on this. Um, but the Supreme Court will look at oral arguments starting, I guess they'll hold them in March or April, and then they will hopefully render some opinion before the uh, term ends in June. Yeah, they usually well, it, they'll usually do come up with something in June. Um, I hope that they realize that time is of the necessity because people are in jail. All right. And people, we, there have been how many suicides, Julie, um, so far from people that, I mean, it's very, it's very sad. Um, but there are people that are very adversely affected by this. This isn't, there are people in jail now. They're, they're not only in jail now on this, there are people getting out of jail who've already served almost three years in prison on yes. this, like Timothy Hale, who was held under pretrial detention detention until he went to trial in May of 2022, convicted, then continued to stay in prison. He just now got out, I think, last week. Yeah. So, so think of the consequences if the DOJ, if the Supreme Court says the DOJ and at least 17 judges in Washington refuse to dismiss this count. Only one, Carl Nichols, and this is how we got here, dismissed it. The DOJ appealed his dismissal, and this is how we got here, which would be sweet karma that the DOJ is the one who, instead of letting that go, appealed it when they had already 17 judges who uh, upheld it. So, um, Well, and it's going to adversely affect their future stuff that they do. I mean, this is one of the cudgels that they're using to beat the J6ers down is the threat of having this very serious charge put on to the list of whatever other stupidity that they're being charged with to harass them, right? Trespassing, basically glorified trespassing, which, you know, isn't really trespassing since it was like a secret restricted area that were retroactively determined to be um, restricted. So this is going to be very bad for the DOJ. It's um, important for people to just understand how serious the DOJ is about going after their political opponents to do something like this to people and ruin their lives, knowing ultimately it's not going to hold up scrutiny, but they don't care because the process is the punishment, right? That's, that's the point is to frighten people for, from future activity and to make examples out of others and to, you know, ruin the people that they consider subhuman, like the Trump voters. So, um, I'm my fingers are crossed, you know, on this. This would be great, but like I said when it came out, the damage is done. You know, it they they got what they wanted. I mean, going through the legal process, people always say, Oh, well, you can just sue them. Yeah, you can, and sometimes that takes ten years. So, you know, well but I mean, they don't care better than nothing. If the Supreme Court comes back and especially if they have a unanimous decision, which could be is unlikely, but if they determine that the DOJ intentionally misinterpreted the language of the statute and it deals with it, whether an official proceeding, the events of January 6th, that's qualifies as an official proceeding for this statute, whether these individuals acted corruptly, to your point, most of them had no idea that they were doing anything wrong. 
Some of them were charged for going into the Capitol after it had been evacuated. How is that obstructing an official proceeding when it had been already recessed? Didn't some Um, of them not even go into the Capitol with and they were charged with this? They were just outside. I don't know. Yes. I mean, think of Donald Trump. He wasn't there. Enrique Tarrio was in Baltimore. Thomas Caldwell, a 65-year-old disabled vet, he was there with his wife. They never went in the building. So, I mean, this is how expansively they have interpreted the statute. To your point, to turn people into felons, which means what? You can't vote. You have to surrender out all of Good your firearms. Good luck firearm. getting a job, too. Background exactly. check. Right. So this will be a huge black eye, again, not just for DOJ, but for the D.C. courts, and I really feel like, Liz, and I've written about this, if this comes down, there has to be consequences. There yeah. has Someone has to pay. This Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, Lisa Monaco, who started this, recall this was the statute that Robert Mueller wanted DOJ to charge Trump with. This was half of the Mueller report, 1512, C2 and obstruction. So they've wanted to get Trump on this for a very long time. If the Supreme Court does back how the DOJ has used it, that's very dangerous because, to your point, it will just represent an escalation in the lawfare. They will put their the highest court's imprimatur on use of a vaguely worded obstruction statute that was never intended to be used this way. And they will be able to use it that way across the country and other federal jurisdictions. So And other laws. I mean, that's the thing. It's like they'll find yeah. some other ridiculous law that they think they can apply to a situation that's completely different. And they know that they can, They there's a good chance they'll get away with it. Um, it reminds me of that saying it's better to beg forgiveness than ask permission. That's what this is, right? Where they've already done it. And now they're like, I hope it's okay. After, of course, it served its purpose. Um, That's right. Which is, you know, to set an example and punish people. So now, but keep the your big fingers ob- crossed. The big obstacle, though, in question for Jack Smith, and then we'll get into all this, is you have a four-count indictment in D.C., that's now on hold, right? The trial is supposed to happen on March 4th. That's not going to happen because as we'll talk about, they have to get a court ruling on the immunity claims, presidential immunity. Um, So by default, if you're seeking immunity on appeal, all of the pretrial schedule is automatically put on hold. So this March 4th trial date, not going to happen. I I will say 99% it's not going to happen is they pursue that. But in the meantime, what does Jack Smith do when two of those four counts relate to this obstruction count? One of them directly, another one conspiracy to obstruct. I mean, this is, this is a real problem for him, which is great. We welcome all problems for Jack Smith, (laughs) but now, and we'll get to this, The question is, does he take a risk? Does he keep those two charges in the indictment? Roll the dice. You know, oral arguments could be happening at the same time the trial, a delayed trial starts. Let's say it's April. So you've got the Supreme Court hearing arguments to overturn DOJ's use of 1512C2. At the same time, Jack Smith is trying to convince a D.C. jury, which won't be hard, to convict Donald Trump on it. Or does now he take what we will pivot to the fodder from the Colorado Supreme Court who found who kicked basically kicked Donald Trump off the ballot the primary presidential ballot amid findings that yes he did violate the 14th amendment of the constitution he was involved in an 
quote unquote, insurrection and cannot run for public office. Does Jack Smith now take that? Maybe drop the other 1512 counts, do what's called a superseding indictment, which is a whole new indictment that adds new charges, possibly new defendants, because we know that there's six unindicted co-conspirators in Jack Smith's D.C. indictment, including people like Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, John Eastman, the usual suspects, Jeff Clark. So is that coming as we're sort of everyone is on hold for the D.C. trial? Can he do that, though, if there's an appeals process with if the Trump people fought, you know, appeal that what the Colorado, I guess, I don't know. Did you just there, ask it, me, did you just ask me, can Jack Smith do that? No, no, but well, that question, of course. Well, I mean, procedurally, like, <laughs> I mean, you know what, right. I mean, I'm not saying he, he wouldn't do that because that would be wrong. I'm saying like, you know, there's certain things that kick in, like you said, how all these other court cases are stopped while they're deciding the immunity issue. So, you know, wouldn't that need to be like, set in stone, which it isn't because there, I believe there is an appeals process in Colorado before Jack Smith can then use what a state court has decided, not a circuit court or SCOTUS, Mm -hmm. um, you know, can he go ahead and do that? And I, I read today that New York is considering trying to get Trump off the ballot as well. So under the same, with the same, you know, under the same 14th amendment, that pretense. So do you know anything about that, Julie? I mean, what happens on appeal in Colorado? So that's what, so we'll get to the Colorado ruling. So basically what happened in Colorado, and then we'll we'll see the short answer. Can Jack Smith use the Colorado ruling as it stands right now? And there has not been a, a petition filed before the Supreme Court to overturn that yet. We expect that to happen any day. Can he use that as justification to add, say, seditious conspiracy charges, which I've suspected all along he was going to bring at some point? Possibly. Um, I don't know how the appeal on the presidential immunity issue would affect or prevent him from filing a superseding indictment. We know that the grand jury is still working in D.C., so who knows what he's doing? The guy is a total dirtbag. He's a liar. He's a dirtbag. He's been overturned by the Supreme Court. He doesn't care, right? He's just a total Democratic Party mercenary. So he, to your point, what you said before, they don't care what the outcome is. They just want the immediate results. But what happened mm-hmm. in this week with the Colorado Supreme Court, so this is based on a lawsuit allegedly filed by, it was six voters in in uh-huh. Colorado, right. allegedly three or four of them are Republicans. Of course, they aren't, but I guess that doesn't no. matter. Seeking to kick Trump off the ballot based on this 14th Amendment insurrection um, clause. So what happened is this lawsuit was filed, I think, in September. They conducted a quote unquote trial, <laughs> which wasn't really a trial. Some of the witnesses, by the way, Liz, were Representative Eric Swalwell. And Daniel Hodges, who is one of the celebrity J6 cops, D.C. Metro police officer, who testified about his um, terrorizing experience on January 6th. We still haven't seen all of his body cam footage. By the way, that's another issue. But the judge um, who oversaw this alleged trial, even though she handed down a ruling in November saying, yes, he did. He was involved or incited in, quote unquote, insurrection. But this particular 
clause, this amendment, the Section 3, does not apply to the president. It is other people who are running for office, doesn't apply to the president. Now, this is a post-Civil War statute. It hasn't been used this way, just like obstruction. They're weaponizing law and constitution in whole new ways. This applied to try to keep out members or leaders of the Confederacy from, you know, running for for office uh, after the Civil War. So this then went to the appellants, and this is the Citizens for Responsible and Ethical, mm-hmm. what is it, crew. Crew. It's crew. Yeah. They've been around. Yeah. This is um, the David Brock, another David Brock organization. Um, And they filed a lot of these lawsuits. So this is their big win here. So the Colorado Supreme Court came down, said, yes, we agree with the the state judge who said that he he was involved in insurrection. We disagree that this does not uh, that this is disqualifying. It is disqualifying. It was a four to three split decision for Democrats, of course. I think all the justices were appointed by Democrat. Probably. It's been a while since Colorado's had a Republican governor, I think. I think they're and they're appointed. They're not elected like in Illinois. I think you elect the Supreme Court, state Supreme Court justices. At any rate, so that's that's the big um, controversy. So that was handed down on the 19th. There were three dissenting opinions, pretty strong dissenting opinions, really mocking this, quote unquote, trial, saying this is so expedited. It shouldn't happen this way. Think about it. He hasn't been determined to be an insurrection, you know, have committed insurrection. So the court can't decide he's committed insurrection. That's part of our judicial process. Right. I mean, you'd have to have a process that found him guilty of something before you could then say he's guilty of something he can't run for president. So it's everybody knows what this is. This is a joke. This is only helping Trump because the more crazy they get. And as I say on this show, probably every show, the Democrats, the left is always shitting the bed. They never know when too much is too much. And the more they're going on and really unstopped. The Republicans aren't doing anything to stop this shit, right? So they feel like they can just get, they're just going to, like a kid, right? They're going to find out where the boundaries are um, by pushing them. Um, they, this is so obvious what is going on here that they're getting more and more obvious with what they're doing and they're losing the veneer of, oh, we're defending the Constitution. <laughs> you know, oh, we're protecting the country. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like we sanction foreign nations for doing exactly this shit. I mean, we sanction right. them for this. This is not a joke. So, you know, we really, I mean, not that we have had moral standing for a while, but, you know, if anyone wants to claim that we have some sort of world standing on the planet Earth, we really don't. This is banana republic shit. So. Um, it is. And what's really galling is that most of the evidence in- addition to the witnesses, we know most of the evidence was gleaned from the January 6th select committee report. Mm. So, which we know is biased. We know that there were complaints even from committee investigators that Liz Cheney focused the, um, the result that the report on Donald Trump and buried in an appendix, any investigation or criticism of law enforcement, intelligence, et cetera. So it was a totally political document 
And there was no, this was not an adversarial committee. It was not an adversarial process, as we know. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger were the Republicans on there. And now we know, Liz, in addition to that, there's missing evidence. Yeah. So the committee, now that we know, they have concealed all of the videotaped recordings of the witness depositions. There's no access to those videos, even though they use cherry pick clips to their benefit during their televised performances. There's Secret Service text and records that are still missing. All of these purged text messages between top Secret Service officials, including the head of the agency, that were automatically, quote unquote, deleted in a factory reset of their mobile devices the end of January 2021. Those are all missing. There are other transcripts that have not been turned over to House Republicans, including, by the way, Bobby Engel the head of Trump's security detail, who Cassidy Hutchinson said Trump almost strangled him to death in the the presidential vehicle on January 6th. So the idea that you can form this bogus committee to your point, this is what we call out other banana Republicans, banana republics for doing, convene this bogus committee, have it totally one-sided, no adversarial process whatsoever, issue a report that then is used as evidence in court proceedings to determine that this, the target of this entire farce, Donald Trump, is disqualified based on this arcane, irrelevant amendment in the Constitution. Yeah, and remember the January sixth, the Democrats' January Smith, uh, January sixth dog and pony show. That wasn't a court of law, so it's not like that held any weight on whether or not Trump is an insurrectionist. It's just a report and it was basically just like a Broadway production or something. It's not it's not a legal precedent. It's it, it what it's nothing that's been established in law. I mean, that's the way the legal process is supposed to work, that these you've been adjudicated by a court and then you move forward based on that decision. When you go through the process, that just didn't happen. So, I mean, this was the Jason, as everybody knows, who listens to us regularly, that that whole thing was just a simple propaganda tool. And the idea that that would be then in turn used in some legal proceeding, again, how long is it going to take to get to the, go, you know, make it to the Supreme Court? Who knows? I don't know. Like I said, there's an appellate process. I think, I don't know what circuit the Colorado's in. I get, has to work its way up, but, you know, um, again, just another example of, this sort of extrajudicial games that we're playing right now at this point, because Trump is so bad that we can't let the people vote for him for president. It's disgusting. Right. So this is why the Supreme court is going to have their hands full in 2024. So we've got the 1512 C2 issue. We've got what will certainly be a pending petition before the Supreme court on the Colorado ruling. Um, Jack Smith has asked for an expedited, um, really to jump over the D.C. appellate court in the immunity issue. So let's talk about that super quick. So Donald Trump in the D.C. matter filed three motions to dismiss, and one of them was based on presidential immunity, that what he did was part of his job as president. Judge Tanya Chutkin, of course, the Obama Democrat appointee, you know, another partisan on the bench, um, wrote what would be an unprecedented ruling saying that presidents are not 
immune from criminal prosecution. She said, just because your president doesn't give you a get out of jail free pass for the rest of your life. No one's arguing that, but she did at any rate. So, of course, Donald Trump immediately appealed her ruling that stripped him of presidential immunity. What then happens is that automatically, as I said, holds all of the the trial calendar. So that would be jury selection, motions and limine, which means what the jury is going to see, who they're going to hear from, exhibit list, witnesses list, every all of that is on hold. So um, what Jack Smith then did really unprecedented. He went right to the Supreme Court and asked them to kind of leap leapfrog the D.C. appellate court, take up this matter immediately because eventually it would get to the Supreme Court and wants them to to review this right away. Uh, without an appellate ruling to look at, just look at the filings so far, order Donald Trump to respond, which they have. And, um, you know, whether the Supreme Court will will take this up in advance of this appellate court. They do do that occasionally, rarely, um, but it's not regular procedure, as you know, Liz. So that is still before the Supreme Court. Jack Smith filed more motions this week. Donald Trump responded to Jack Smith's request So we're going to wait to see what happens there. You know, but Liz, think of this Jack Smith character. He has a losing record as a prosecutor. And then we'll get to this interesting lawsuit that was filed by former Attorney General Edwin Meese saying that Merrick Garland broke the law appointing Jack Smith. Like, who is Jack Smith? Like, how do you get off just going right to the Supreme Court and asking these justices to circumvent the normal process in an unprecedented criminal prosecution of a former president and prospective, you know, presumptive GOP nominee for president. And again, breaking, like you just said, breaking the norms, breaking tradition, breaking due process for a defendant um, to rush to get a conviction before Election Day. Well, he does it because he can. I mean, (laughs) that's the thing. No, and, and I... You're you're talking about he's not coloring in between the lines. Well, no, no, he's not. And he's been allowed to right? like things that previously w- or in the past have restricted certain legal actions, um, you know, don't apply, especially to the government when there's no like direct financial loss or there's no client who's going to get sick of paying for frivolous lawsuits. The government has unlimited resources, so he can just keep going. Right. And he's not going to get fired because nobody gets fired from the federal government, but they do it because they can do it and they keep pushing the lines and they're never stopped. And so of course that's what he's going to do. If you look at these characters like children, instead of adults operating in a system of that, you know, that we elect, you know, has like in, implied agree upon which is like our constitutional system and you look at them as children just trying to get their way that then it may all makes perfect sense he's going to do whatever he can and that's the left does that they do as much as they possibly can and let's say they shoot for 10 and they only get five well that's five that they had before they started which was zero so that's what's happening here so yeah he's going to keep doing that he's going to keep doing it and hope you know it's one step forward, you know, or whatever, two steps forward, one step back. Hey, he's still one step ahead of where it when he started. So something, you know, not they're not going to we're not going to be able to stop everything. And that's kind of what they're counting on. That's the left's long march through the institutions over the last, you know, 30 or 40 years. So, I mean, no one should be surprised at this. Um, 
but the lawsuit from Ed Meese is interesting. Um, <clears throat> that was very interesting. Very so, so and look, he's going to be rewarded. Look, the, here's the thing. The Jack Smith will be rewarded at the end of the day, mm-hmm. just like Anita Hill was rewarded, right? Anita Hill was a nobody. She was just a rando bureaucrat. She went up against Clarence Thomas, like having a conservative black Supreme Court justice, the worst nightmare of the left. She, you know, went through all of that shit. And what does she have now? She's getting, you know, she's paid twenty five thousand dollars per speech. She's tenured at Brandeis. She's, you know, she's a celebrity. Right. She's written her stupid books that people buy. She is taken care of and rewarded for this, even though, of course, she failed. She, you know, Clarence is on the Supreme Court. So. That's what will happen to Jack Smith. So even though we're like, well, he's abusing the law and he's a lawyer and this is wrong and he should be disbarred. No, he's not. It's never going to happen. And he'll be rewarded in some way, just like all of the people that are the mercenaries for the left. And it's depressing. But again, it's not as depressing as the fact that the Republicans don't do anything about it. They've never done anything. Just let them go. Now, they they did write another letter to Jack Smith this week. That's great. Oh, yeah, that's right. We were going to talk about Jim Jordan and Andy Biggs have written a letter, a sternly worded letter, no less, not just a letter, Julie, a sternly Mm -hmm. worded letter asking, this was yesterday, requesting documents and communications in connected with uh, Trump, the Trump prosecution and Smith staffing. Um, Now, here's the rub, as people who listen to the show know. People who listen to me know (laughs) he can tell them to fuck themselves and nothing's Mm going to happen to him. The Congress has no recourse. Now, what they could do, as we also have talked about several times on Happy Hour, is they could just cut his salary. They do have the ability to just zero out. Jack Smith isn't getting a paycheck anymore. You know, man, he's a volunteer for the federal government. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. But there's literally no incentive for jack smith to cooperate with what the committee's no, asking no, for none none so nothing's gonna happen you heard it here in happy hour first zero <laughs> goose egg nothing as you've heard repeatedly nothing yes, is going to happen nothing's gonna happen um so that's my and real quick too jack smith's big argument to skip over the appellate court and go to the supreme court in his filing that was filed um on thursday and he keeps saying this is that there is a public interest aspect to moving forward with this trial, that the public somehow has a right to a speedy trial, which I don't think that that's in the Sixth Amendment or any of the amendments related to the Bill of Rights to protect defendants from government overreach. But this is what he keeps arguing. And Tanya Chutkin did the same when she set this inconceivable seven month schedule between indictment and trial. That has not happened in any January 6th case, let alone something of this magnitude. So they keep arguing the public has some right in a criminal proceeding, which is simply not true, Liz. Well, I will tell you that I think the public does have an interest and the interest in not having the government waste their money on all this stupid shit. If we're going to really talk about what's in the public interest. I mean, the cost of all of this crap is astronomical. Well, people are dealing with inflation and housing issues. So, I mean, if we're really going to talk about public interest, we should say we should talk about whether or not <laughs> this yeah, is actually benefiting the public because these people are paid. As I mentioned earlier, they have unlimited resources um, on their lawsuits, investigators, 
technology, all the things that a random person who is their victim would have to pay for forensic experts. You know, they can just call up the FBI or the CIA to get some expert, you know, to weigh in on something that would cost a regular person tens of thousands of dollars. So, you know, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, a mess. Well, and then but there's a, another little mess for Jack Smith. Let's hope. Um, and that is this admise uh, petition that yeah. the former attorney general under Ronald Reagan, of course, I think pretty well respected figure still um, filed this shocking brief. Uh, it's called an Amici Curie. Liz, I'm getting so good at my of the legal- court. It's, it's amicus. I think it's a friend of the of the of the care. I mean, literally in Latin, like friend of the I think it's a friend of the court. Amici Curie. So this. Oh, says, Amici, oh, friend of the Curie. Like, I guess, solution. Friend of the solution. So it says I don't know. It's not, it's not filing on behalf of either party. It's just so a like legal. An, isn't it's Amici a, yeah. brief usually like on behalf of one of the. An, of the an amicus brief is um like when you are not party to it, but it's you, you're. Yes, you pick one. Right. This is just, I guess, I mean, not like I'm not a lawyer, but I am a Latin person. I do know Latin. <laughs> yes, um, you are. So this is just so I can kind of roughly interpret this. Um, that it's just a like a legal memo that they're giving the court, like with entering facts into the evidence. I think that's or you know that they that to be considered. That's what I think. Yes, it is. to be considered. Correct. Right. So. So that's the- what. Admis filed this um, on what day is today? I know I'm still off whatever day. It's Friday. Thank God. TGIF, Julie. TGIF. Yeah, no kidding. I know you really need it. I hope you get some rest this weekend. I know you're not because you're doing double duty work for all of us Christians as we take off. No, I'm the Shabbos goy, like, except reverse. Like, I'm like, oh, take Christmas off and, you know, I'll cover shit. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. <laughs> so Ed Meese basically argues that Merrick Garland broke the law in appointing Jack Smith. That there is no law passed by Congress that has that enables the presence of a special counsel. Um, and here's here's what he wrote. I'll just read it so people can hear it because it's interesting. So he's. Ed Meese and these attorneys are interjecting in Jack Smith's request to expedite uh, the immunity matter. Uh, this court should reject Mr. Smith's request for certiori before judgment for the simple reason that he lacks authority to ask for it, nor does he have authority to conduct the underlying prosecution. That's pretty huge. Those actions can be taken only by persons properly appointed as federal officers to properly created federal offices. Neither Smith nor the position of special counsel under which he purportedly acts meets those criteria. And that is a serious problem for the American rule of law, whether one, uh, whatever one may think of the defendant or the conduct at issue. Um, And then he goes on to say Merrick Garland exceeded his statutory and constitutional authority by appointing Smith. Uh, that this is a DOJ um, sort of rule that they made up, uh, but that he, uh, none of those statutes, they cite a couple of statutes, nor any other statutory or constitutional provisions remotely authorize the appointment by the attorney general of a private citizen to receive extraordinary criminal law enforcement power under the title of special counsel. 
he goes on to explain how other special counsels, of course, were uh, confirmed by the Senate, as U.S. attorneys have to be. So he talks about Patrick Fitzgerald, who, um, you know, investigated the Valerie Plame leak affair. Uh, and then Scooter Libby, he points to, obviously, John Huber and John Durham, who looked into uh, Russiagate and also illegal leaks. Um, but that Jack Smith, of course, has never been confirmed by the Senate, and he needed to be. So we'll see where this goes. It was kind of funny what uh, Ed Meese wrote at the end. Let me get to it. Um Sorry, people. I have like all these files open. Um, But this is a a funny one. Conclusion. Not clothed in the authority of the federal government, Smith is a modern example of the naked emperor. Improperly appointed, he has no more authority to represent the United States in this court than Bryce Harper, Taylor Swift, or Jeff Bezos. The fact is that fact is sufficient to sink Smith's petition and the court should deny review. Pretty, pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I wonder, do, do we know what the timeline is on that, Julie? Like, when will we get some or just not? Well, I mean, I don't know how they're I don't I don't even know if it's been docketed yet. If the Supreme Court has it, obviously it hasn't been docketed. It was just filed on, 20, uh, on December 20th. So I don't know what the process is. They release orders every Monday after conferences. So this would have to, I assume, go to conference first where they would take a They'd have to accept to even look at it at a conference. And then they would decide whether they're going to to grant this or I don't know if they I don't know how what they would do with this. Really, do they rule on this before they look at Jack consider Jack Smith's? See, these are all, I mean, I guess if I was a constitutional lawyer, but I don't even think that matters, Liz, because we're not dealing with normal situations, right? I mean, I I don't know where this would go. Yeah, well, it's something. I mean, if you notice the pattern of the left, uh, you mentioned this with Crew and their lawsuit in Colorado, they are constantly filing lawsuits to stop anything that the Republicans try and do. Um, the most notable one was how crazy everybody went when Trump tried to um, close the borders, you know, and stop the immigration right when he came into office um, right. and ban people from those countries that have already been on um, secu- high, heightened security lists anyway. So they kick into gear immediately. Again, they're, it's like trying to see what sticks, you know, just trying to see what sticks and see what gets picked up. The Republicans, again, what are they doing? Not they're not they're doing not, almost nothing. They're they're just writing letters, you know, another letter to to go into the pile of letters that are is at the DOJ. You know, they don't they don't operate like that, and they still don't understand that they're what kind of war is happening right now. So, you know, it's nice to see someone at least try this. You know, what will happen with it? We don't know. And in the meantime, you know. Trump is obviously still running for president. He's still way ahead. Um, the Iowa caucus is January is it the 11th. Yeah, it's soon. Um, it's soon. Um, so 2024 is just 
going to be an even bigger shit show than what we've got. Right oh now. my God. I can't even handle, I don't know how I'm, I'll handle it. I mean, can, can I handle like a bigger <laughs> shit show than what we're going through? I don't even know. I mean, you know, just, it's just crazy, but it is going to be with all these cases and the primaries going on and whatever, whatever is happening that we don't know about yet. That's going to take us two years to figure out like what we're doing, what we're dealing with now. Right. We're figuring, right. you know, we're slowly, this stuff is unraveling, but again, it's already served its purpose. You know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be lit up, man. I don't know. I need a well, nap remember, from that. Just thinking have, about that. We still have the classified documents case in Southern Florida. And that is also on hold because the judge there, Judge Cannon, who's at bright spot in an otherwise just wretched federal judiciary <laughs> she also postponed all of those pre-trial dates arguing with the doj that there was no way the march 4th dc trial was going to be over and settled in time to then put donald trump on trial in southern florida on may 20th so that's already on hold there's and there's going to be a lot of litigation in that because it has to do with the handling of classified documents um, there's very strict rules about how classified material can be viewed by defendants. They're trying to keep all the classified material away from Donald Trump's two co-defendants. One of them was his valet. Another guy just worked at like Mar-a-Lago security. I think he can't even speak English, but uh, Jack Smith indicted him nonetheless for obstruction. So they're trying to keep like 5,500 pages of alleged classified material away from those two co-defendants and they're trying to keep material away from Trump. So there's all sorts of litigation with SIPA. It's called classified information procedures act that that trial probably is going to be gone. No chance that it will go to trial before the election. Uh, Cause judge cannon has been very tough on DOJ and they're not used to that as you know, Liz. So we still have that hanging out there. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot going on, man. Yes, there is. So what else do we have before we wrap up? Do we have any good news? I think that's I feel like that's plenty. But is there any good news? Well, I mean, Christmas is on Monday. So, I mean, that there's that. Um, there is. So did you get Christmas? Have you bought all your presents already or are you all settled with that? You know, we don't have a ton to buy. You know, obviously we took our oldest daughter on a trip um so she's kind of settled did some shopping in london um we have family coming down on christmas day we're in florida now so we'll sort of do that um but christmas in florida just like thanksgiving don't like the vibe i have to say i guess if you're used to having cold christmases there's something different about palm trees and sunshine being your christmas yes, um true. i don't know it's warm in D.C. too, so well, not warm, but it's not freezing, although it was freezing earlier this morning, but the, during the day. So it's definitely doesn't have that Christmas vibe, but I feel like Christmas is different just because everybody used to go to the mall and shop for Christmas. And now all the malls are controlled by MS-13, so you can't really <laughs> just go to a mall, you know, and yeah. it's kind of dangerous to go to the mall. Um, so that was such a big part, right? What didn't you go to the mall during Christmas, like Christmas shopping? Oh yeah, or, all the time. Huge. It's such an another. It's just another American pastime that's been kind of erased, ruined, or ruined, deleted, or whatever. Um. All right, so we're good. That's our happy hour. Um, 
we didn't want to leave you for too long. I give Julie credit because she just returned and selflessly demanded that we do a podcast. And I was thrilled to hear that from her because I miss her when she's gone, <laughs> even though she's mean to me and she makes fun of Michael Jackson um, that I not, no, I'm not okay. in the thriller as she is. That's quiz fine. next week though we're doing it okay for sure. oh no Just for entertainment that <laughs> before so we can wrap up 2023 in grand style all right so we're gonna be here next week it's yes. it'll be next year won't it no it won't it'll be almost next no. year so yes. we'll, it'll be the last show of happy hour for 2023 we're gonna get you ready to survive 2024 <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, we're going to give you conditioning programs. We're going to talk about, you know, how to work up your stamina <laughs> because you're going to need it. So need thanks it. again for listening. We're on Spotify now. You can subscribe there and give us five stars and we're all on Apple iTunes. Have a fabulous weekend. Have a fantastic Christmas unless you're like me, the Shabbos Goy of Christmas. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.